series we are going to roll out. I have to be honest with you all. I really struggled with the introduction. And it was because I wanted to make sure that I gave this topic the respect and in my opinion, the reverence it deserved. We are going to walk through the door of autism and the spectrum. We're gonna look at, as Dr. Daniel Amen refers to as the connection between the brain and behavior. My guest on this series is Mrs. Natalie Graham. And she will tell you, as she does in the podcast, that she is the expert on Joseph Graham, her son. Her background not only includes being a wife of a pastor, the mother of three children. She also is the information management specialist, request and reports manager in the office of the director at the NIH. Natalie and I sat down and we looked up and it had been almost two hours. So we're gonna roll this story out in three parts. I'm gonna tell you all, you need some pen and paper because Natalie's journey has so much information. And I know that there are people out there that are going to connect their own dots as they listen to her story. And they're gonna wanna know, now, what do I do next? And she will tell you. So, let's get started. Let's sit down. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's have some straight talk. Hello and welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. Today's episode I am just so excited about because we are going to open the door to a topic that we as a culture would probably label parenting skills needed or spare the rod, spoil the child because of some behavioral manifestations that we would probably see. We are going to walk through the door and open up the spectrum, the spectrum of autism disorders, Asperger's and ADD. We're gonna talk a little bit about my own story. As I've told you, I'm gonna let you start connecting those dots and I'll show, share with you my own story about being diagnosed with ADD, some of that today. And I am just so excited to have Natalie Graham here. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Welcome, and I just wanna thank you for being willing to allow us to enter in and have a snapshot into your family. My pleasure. You know, I have, I, when I tell people the story of how we've come to this point in sitting down and talking with you, I talk about how it was divinely orchestrated. Definitely. Because you had no reason to walk in that room that day. That's right. Absolutely no reason. Mm -hmm. I, my husband and I were helping to set up for a potluck at our church for our son's adventures program. Right. Mm -hmm. And you walked in, mm -hmm. and we started talking. Just wandering. Mm -hmm. Wandering. And, and you taught me something as mm -hmm. a mom of younger children. You, you were telling me how you just have to show up sometimes. Right, right. <laughs> Make sure that they are where they're right. supposed to be. Just doing a spot check. There you go. 
And we started a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I just want to continue that conversation sure. today. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was so impressed. And I was just floored with how you gave me little tidbits of your story and what you as a mother did to be an advocate mm-hmm. for Joseph. Mm-hmm. So, um... I want, I want you to start with telling us a little bit about your family. Tell us about your husband, how long you guys have been married, and your children. Okay. I'm married to Patrick Graham. He is the director of Allegheny East Youth Conference uh, of Children and Youth Ministries. No, Allegheny East Conference Children and Youth Ministries Department. Um, we have three children. Jordan, 19. He's a sophomore at Andrews University. Joseph is 17. Um, he is... Well, I'll tell you about his classification later when we talk about education. Okay. But for our intents and purposes, he's a junior at the Harbor School in Annapolis. Mm -hmm. In January, he'll be considered a quote-unquote senior. Okay. Um, And then Jasmine is uh, 15, and she's a sophomore at Tacoma Academy. Wow. You have your hands full. I do. (laughs) And And they're emptying. I'm, I'm ah, out, so see, empty those hands a little bit. See, <laughs> I'm telling you, these mo- moms that are coming behind you, we are listening. We are listening. We're taking notes. You see, I have notes in this book. <laughs> but you know, I in in getting into your story a little bit, um, you were telling me that your middle son Joseph, mm-hmm. your middle child Joseph, ha- was diagnosed with um, Asperger syndrome. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your story in terms of what was the catalyst? Was there a significant event or just little, I call them dots, or little incidents along the way that you started adding things up or connecting them? Um, Tell us how you even began to notice that you needed some extra help outside of the house. Well, when Joe was younger, I'm, I'm a firm believer that all children are different. Um, uh, you know, as parents, we're kind of given these milestones that children should reach at a certain age, and that's fine and well, um, but I don't believe every child develops, you know, according to this pattern and this plan, that's mm-hmm. the same for everyone else. So yes, yes. Um, Jordan was super hyperactive, busy, 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 wild, you know, Patrick's child, and... <laughs> And um, when Joe came along, he was so calm and so chill. I was like, yes, thank you. I like this one. Wow. You know, he wasn't real friendly. He was fine with me. Jordan would talk to any stranger on the street. Here I had a child that wouldn't talk to anybody. He wasn't real friendly. Um, as a baby, you could make all the googly eyes and silly faces with him. He would just look at you like you were crazy. I didn't think anything of it. Um, I just said, okay, well, that's his personality. I believe every child has their own personality. Exactly. Um, so, and he played with Jordan just fine, and and uh, he he progressed what I considered normally. You know, when you're two and three, it's difficult to say, right? You right. know, you know, is this normal? Is this not? You know, mm-hmm. um, I think the first concern we had was that he started reading late. Um, his teacher was concerned that he wasn't reading well. And what age was this? That was like. Going into kindergarten, maybe pre-K four, okay. going into kindergarten okay. transition, and um, we had also just moved here from Michigan, oh, so I knew that it was you know takes an adjusting an adjustment period for him. And I'm one, I said just leave him alone. He'll read when he's ready. Exactly. You know I'm not going to stress him to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have some educational testing done when he was younger, maybe about five or five or six, and he was behind. 
in terms of normal scores. Okay. But again, I said, okay, we'll just work with them at home. So we did okay. more reading. We did more math tutoring at home um, with him to just to help him along. Right. You know, but again, I, I didn't want to stress about about that kind of development. Exactly. I said, as long as he's able to function and he's doing enough to understand and he's not so far behind, you know, it's, it's that borderline behavior. Uh, um, but I said, he, you know, he will adjust, he will grow. Everything else appeared to be, you know, normal. Right. Um, so we didn't notice anything. He did just fine throughout his elementary school. Um, his grades were okay. He was very, very strong in certain subjects like mm -hmm. Bible, history, um, social studies, mm -hmm. um, but really weak in others like the math and the mm -hmm. science. But there's not as much emphasis on math and science in the elementary. Right. Um, so we didn't really notice that it was a significant weakness. Oh, okay. But it's not until puberty hit, and it's not until about seventh grade, mm -hmm. seventh, eighth grade, this pre-puberty adolescence, that we started noticing behaviors that were different. Mm, um, like what? He, he didn't conceptualize personal space hmm. you know you know I think we have a, a, a sense of we want a, a, a space around us. right he right. didn't understand you're in my space oh. um, that's around when kids start like trying to make jokes and be funny and they start to more develop socially he didn't right. have that social development and his friends at school maybe I shouldn't call them friends but his 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 peers would start calling him weird and strange mm. and and he started to feel weird and strange. So he, he could cue into that. Right. Okay. So he would say, I'm different. Really? Yeah. He said, there's something, he, like, there's something different about me. And different was okay for a while. But as children progress into their teenage years, socialization becomes the most important thing to him. Right. And he found that he didn't have those skills. Huh. And we saw that he didn't have those skills. So... Whereas boys his age might want to play basketball outside, right. he wanted to stand and watch the History Channel. It didn't bother me, but when it came time for him to have conversations with his friends about things that were mutually interesting for a boy his age, right. he did not know how to carry on that kind of conversation. Really? Um, so he, he wanted to, and what happens is children that age want to assimilate. Mm -hmm. So they try very hard to be quote unquote normal and normal to them means act like everyone else. Yeah. He started having stress and becoming very stressed out because he didn't know how to act wow. normal. He didn't know what that meant. And what would his stress look like? His stress would be stressed out? frustration, very easily frustrated mm. over seemingly simple things or maybe overreacting to okay. to certain things so uh, my daughter is a big catalyst for him they're like fire and ice mm. so she would do something simple simple brother sister interaction right. but it would oh he'd go off he'd blow up oh he, she did the and she'd give it and I'm like well, wait, this is I'm like so what just just brush it off right um I noticed in school I'd have to go down to school a couple times whip his behind because hmm. um, he would get very frustrated in school wow. one day he took the whole desk down Took the whole desk down, books, everything on the floor. They called me. I went down there and uh, and had to deal with him. But what people would interpret as behavioral problems right. was really an emotional and an anxiety that he started having wow. because he couldn't do 
what others his age were doing. He didn't know how to do it. Yes. Um, and it's around 7th, 8th grade where he really started expressing difficulty understanding math concepts, multiplication, um, conceptualizing that two times two is the same as saying two sets of two that you're adding together. He didn't get that at all. Wow. So we later found out he has dysgraphia. And dysgraphia is... is just a term for an inability to conceptualize math, mathematical numbers, concepts. Really? Right. So dysgraphia, um, so like dyslexia is for letters, yes. dysgraphia is for numbers. So wow. it's not that he sees them backwards or anything, right. but they don't make sense to him. You know, five times 10 equals 50. So if I say, Joe, what's, if you add 10 five times, he just doesn't get that that's saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he's being taught like everyone else, but he's not understanding like everyone else. Right. So frustration in that area. And then frustration when you go outside to play on the playground. Right. Everyone might be doing a wrestling move or uh-huh. doing something. He he might try to do it, but then he'll start talking about, hey, do you know what happened in World War II with so-and-so? And kids are looking at him like, what are you talking about? We're not talking about school. We're playing. But that's his interest. Wow. Or his associations would be, um, like if he saw a color, um, like a, maybe the slide is red. I'll just mm-hmm. give it. Mm-hmm. He'll say, man, that, that's the same color red that the British soldiers um, wore in the Civil War. His associations hmm. were about his strength and his interest. Kids his age are not going to hold a conversation like that with him. Right. So they're like, you're weird, Joe. What are you talking about? kind of thing so after dealing with that for a while he just started saying hey I am weird I'm strange I'm not like everybody else and that became a major stressor so what what turned the light on for me Mm -hmm. that we could not continue to expect him to behave Mm -hmm. as children his age behave or at his stage in development and we could not continue to expect him to learn under the same circumstances as children his age. Was he went out with some friends, had a great day, they went to Dave and Buster's. I wasn't with him. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards he hung out at a friend's house to play basketball and he came home and he had a great day. But my daughter said something very simple. I don't know what it was, but she said to him. And he went off and he started screaming and crying and having this meltdown. At our house, we don't do meltdowns. Right. You get your behind with Right. Right. It is a A plus. It is a one plus one equals two situation. Right. Right. We don't do that. Exactly. My husband was out of town. And I noticed that whenever he would have any kind of little issue, he'd be out of town. And I think there was a connection to dad wasn't there. Okay. Not that he, you know, not that Pat was absent a lot. But I think, you know. So he had this, and it was a major meltdown. And I was like, what is wrong with you? I said, you better get it together. I said, don't you cope me? I mean, I started going off. I said, go get me to bed. I was going to whip his behind. But then I noticed that everything I was saying to him that he would normally respond to and change his behavior, he was not responding. Wow. And I said, no, something else is wrong here. And sometimes as parents, not everything is behavioral. Sometimes we tend to look at other people's children and we judge that kid don't have no home training. Mm-hmm. They need to be this behind at home. Mm-hmm. There might be something more going on. Because children express things in behavior. Exactly. That they may not be able to express in words. Exactly. Exactly. And um, 
And so I have that had taught me a big lesson. Mm-hmm. Don't go around judging other people's mm-hmm. children by the way they behave. There may be something else going on. He had a meltdown. This was the changing point for us. Okay. And he was screaming and crying and he started spouting these facts because, you know, he knows history. He said, in Africa, I would be considered a man. And, blah, blah. and he started spouting Whoa. all of these historical facts. And I said, and I still, yeah. And I said, something is wrong. You know, this is not normal. Yeah. And Jordan came out. Jordan was like, yo, don't be talking to mom like that. I'm like, I got it. You can go back to your room. I said, Jazz, go to your room. And I just left him. And he said, I'm weird, I'm different, I'm strange. There's something wrong with me. I'm not like everybody else. And he had this huge meltdown. And I said, okay, this is not behavior. This yeah. is something else. Yes, yes. And I just said, Joe, why don't you tell me how you feel? And then he was crying. He was out of, he was, I've never seen anything like it. It only happened one more time after that. And I recognized it, and later I learned it's a sensory processing meltdown. There's too much sensory input for him to handle. So he spent all day with friends, and he probably spent all day trying to act like them. And then he went over to the friend's house, and he probably spent all that time trying to be normal and be cool. And he just simply did not have the tools to do that. And it stressed him out so much, and it just amplify his awareness that he's not like everyone else so I left him I let him be um, he started he in that meltdown he talked a lot about how his friends stabbed him in the back he felt betrayed by his friends because they called him his friends but then they called him weird and he felt like he didn't have any friends and he fit nowhere so I started getting on the phone and that began my journey that began our journey the next day to find out what is wrong with this boy, what is he going through, what kind of help does he need. Mercy. How old was he at that point? He was going into, he was 13. Wow. He was 13 because I realized I, now he was 12 going on 13, realized that um, I had to find a school, for, I had to get him some help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if if um, just social activities were this stressful, what must school be, be like, like for him? Got on the phone, and I can tell you as a parent, it's the most difficult journey we have ever had in our life. It has totally changed the dynamics of our family because you look at your children and you're used to treating them a certain way. Mm-hmm. And for 13 years, we have treated him a certain way. And now we have to learn we do not treat him that way. He doesn't respond. And it becomes very stressful mm-hmm. because even his brothers and sisters are used to treating him normally and, and interacting with him in a way that is normal and he doesn't respond in a normal way. And to this day, we still have problems. You know, wow. my, my daughter still struggles with how to treat him, uh-huh. um, even though he's 17 now. So I got on the phone, I called my husband, and I was like, there's something wrong. He didn't, because he wasn't there, he could not understand what I went through. Right. I was worried that he was going to try to hurt himself. Not that he'd ever expressed it, but because it was such an emotional episode, I said, well, you come sleep with me. Mm-hmm. He slept with me, and I kept one eye open just to keep an eye on him. Yes. I wasn't worried about anything. And then what happened with those sensory processing meltdown? Then comes the big drop. Then comes depression. 
The next day, he cried the whole day. I let him stay at my brother-in-law's house because I had to go to work. He cried. He called me. He said, I'm sorry for being rude. I'm sorry for being disrespectful because we don't do that at our house. Right, right. Exactly. I'm sorry for being rude. I'm sorry for being disrespectful. I'm sorry for the things that I said. I feel so bad. I'm sorry that I lost control, but I'm so weird and I'm so strange. I said, listen, it's okay. You did. He said, and please, and then... Pat finding out was the big worry. Yeah, don't let daddy know. Please don't tell daddy. (laughs) And I said, listen, it's going to be okay. Bless his heart. I said, you you didn't do anything wrong. I'm fine. You're fine. You're going to be okay. We need to find out how to help you. Mm -hmm. And um, I got on the phone. I called Children's Hospital. This is the barrier that parents face. When they see something wrong with their child, the next question is, where do I go from here? Yes, yes. Now, give us a little bit of your background. Okay. Um, you work for NIH, yes. correct? Okay, uh-huh. tell us a little bit about that. Uh, um, I worked for, I was originally hired to be a scientific indexer, and what that is is any grant that's funded, you know, NIH probably funds, provides the most funding for scientific research. Wow. Probably in the nation. Um, anything that is funded by any scientific research that's funded by NIH had to come through our office mm-hmm. and sort of be vetted before it was um, published for the public. Okay. There's all kind of ethical issues we had to look out for. Um, you know, we have to make sure that the correct scientific terminology is presented oh. because scientists then often do searches looking for that type of grant or looking for that type of research to either tie in with theirs or to try to get on board, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Our office was, we were in charge of making sure that um, all abstracts, you know, we had to do some weeding out, like when there was this stem cell issue. Yeah. We had to maybe make some phone calls about that Whoa. to principal investigators, let them know you can't put that in your abstract, mm. you know. Uh, we also are we're responsible for doing any kind of research for, um, for the White House, for Congress, for anyone wanting to know how much money is being spent on what type of research. Wow. Um, what disease areas. Okay. Um, and then, of course, if there's anything in the media that, that the media is focusing on that the United States government is wasting money, we kind of have to be ahead of that to know, uh, wow. okay, what specific research grants are they talking about? Got it. So okay. we would get assignments to, um, to prepare reports on scientific research in certain topic areas that could be considered ethically or morally questionable kind of thing. So it was interesting. So was it because of your background that you knew to call children's the next day? No, I didn't know who to call. Okay, wow. I had no clue. I just said, well, children's is, it's there. This is a mental psychological thing. And I thought I could get him in faster. Mm. I was, it was so bad I was thinking about calling an ambulance for him. But as moms, we know what to do when your kid gets physically hurt. Yeah. When your kid is having an emotional crisis, you don't always know what to do. And I said, if I call an ambulance, they're going to strap him in a straight jacket. They're going to pump him full of medication. They're gonna... I mean, I thought the worst. Mm. I did not want that for him. But I knew he had to get help. Right. I called Children's. There was a six-month waiting list. I said, but this is an emergency. She said, well, you should have taken him to the emergency room. Because, And really, as a parent, I can tell you, it's best to do that. Oh, because they get help immediately. Okay. Otherwise, okay. autism, Asperger's, um, ADD, these are not life-threatening conditions. Right, right. right. So you can afford, they, they don't mind you sitting on a waiting list. So I said, well, I want to see a psychologist. I said, I do not want to say psychiatrist. I do not want 
anyone to see them that's going to prescribe any medication. I mean, I don't know what I was talking about at the time, but I knew I didn't want medication. Right. I want him to have a clear diagnosis first. I want psychologist. They said the next neuropsychologist is not available for six months. In the meantime, fill out the paperwork. So parents, get ready to fill out books of paperwork. I had to fill out a 20-page application. It what? It was about 20 pages, maybe front and back, 10, but it was 20 total. It's your, it's your family's history. It's your child's history. It's your concerns. It's their, their uh, educational history. It's all kind of stuff. So I filled all that stuff out. I faxed it back. I called every day for a cancellation. Then I said, okay, I will take a psychiatrist. I will take anybody. Yes. Just get him in, please. So I called, I kept calling, calling, calling. In the meantime, um, I told, I told him, cause you know, I like to have our kids scheduled, you know, and it was summer, it was coming to summertime. Okay. Okay. I said, you don't have to do all that stuff. Just relax, do what you want to do. Because I realized that he has certain interests that he's heavily, heavily focused mm -hmm. on. I'm trying to make him, um, more, um, make his interest a little wider because I want to be more balanced, but that's not what he wants. He wants to focus on this. Okay. So I said, okay. okay, fine. He likes movies. He likes to catalog movies. I noticed that he likes to, all the movies are in alphabetical order. And, and there's a little OCD that comes with that. Okay. Because they have an interest in a, a special area. And, and that's they, what they excel in. Wow. That's their genius. So I said, okay, you watch movies all day if you want. As long as you read a book somewhere in between or write me a story about the movie, that's what you want to do. You go ahead. Wow. Okay. You have to find a way to balance what they want to do. Okay. What he okay. wants to do. Okay. He is a movie watcher. So I said, okay, watch movies. I'd like to turn on a movie. I'll go outside and play basketball. He didn't want to play basketball. He wants to watch the movie. Wow. You know, and you have to look at that. First, I was like, are you disobeying me? But then I had to say, okay, it's not about my will versus her, his will. It's about recognizing he has something going on. This gives him peace. And it keeps him from being anxious, so I'm gonna let him do that. Now, I want I want to ask you. So, how did you balance that with with the family, with the with the elders of the family? You know, when they would see you parent in a mm -hmm. different way, mm -hmm. how were you starting to explain that? I had to say it to them because they saw that episode with Joe. Wow, Jasmine and Jordan saw it. I had to say to them, "There's something going on with Joe." Mm -hmm. It's uh, I said, I don't know what it is. I'm going to start doing my own research, which is what I did. Okay. I said, I think um, he may have Asperger's, um, but there's something going on. If you see me treating him a little bit differently, mm -hmm. um, I need you to be flexible, be understanding. There are still some very basic things in this house that's across the board for everybody. No rudeness, no disrespect. You know, don't lie. Just basic. Right, right, Just right, basic. But right. they were, Jordan was, what, like 15? I mean, they were old, you know. Yeah. Um, basic. I said, he will not be allowed to get away with stuff just because I think there's something wrong. But we need to be a little more flexible. That's, that's it. And you need to be more flexible with him. Okay. Um, I started noticing that things would always fall apart on Saturdays. Well, why Saturdays? Why? Because Saturdays is an unstructured day. Sabbath is unstructured. Weekdays were structured. You have school, you go to school, you have a, you have, and, and there's, and, and what happens, a lot of kids with Asperger's, they move by patterns. They move by schedules. That's why changes are very um, upsetting to them. Saturday, there was always some issue on Saturday. 
I'm like, what's the problem now? What is it? I said, it's nothing but the devil trying to ruin my Girl. Sabbath. Saturdays are unstructured. So when you go to school in the week, then you come home, you, you know, you get playtime, you know, you get some wind down time, you do your homework, you do your chores, there's dinner, there's pack lunches, go to bed. There's a schedule. But Saturdays, I'm like, what in the world is happening on this Sabbath? So I had to realize that it's the unstructured nature of Sabbath. You're smiling. <laughs> I'm having an aha moment. Yeah. You're describing my So household. we had to provide some structure for Sabbath as well, just for him. Because Sabbath for us is downtime. It's, it's like, praise the Lord, we have a day of rest. And Sunday. But for him, it's like, what do I do? What, it's this time on his hands. There's, there's nothing he can do. And one thing, you have to provide options for them to do in the area that they want to do. I said, okay, I need you to watch Sabbath movies. Break down Esther for me. And after Esther, we're going to watch James, John, Matthew, Jimmy, whoever. And that's what we have to start doing on Sabbath. So what happened now, when I noticed this thing with him, this big thing, I started looking back and saying, wait a minute, I'm seeing a I'm seeing something. That's what I want to know. What Now, look back. Mm -hmm. What are some cues? What are some dots that are now going off in your head? Like, oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, wow. That. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, his brutal honesty. Kids with Asperger's. And, well, I'm just, I'm not going to, he does not know how to lie. Jordan could lie like a rug when he was like three, four years old. Joseph could not lie. Just straight up. And, and a lot of times his truthfulness was very direct, very hurtful. So you think he's trying to hurt your feelings. He's not. He doesn't know how to lie. He only knows how to state things as they are. The facts. That's it. Joseph, did you beat up that little boy? And yes, I did. Yes, I did. Jordan, did you beat I don't know where that boy came from. I've never seen him before in my life. But Joseph, did you beat him? Yes, I did. Why? Because he pushed my sister. Okay. That's, that's it. If, any, if I wanted to know anything, I'd go to Joe. Joe. Who did this? So-and-so did it at this time on this date. At 345 on last Sunday, so-and-so broke this and she didn't tell you. That's, that's, that's it. I thought, and, but the thing is he would do it to strangers. And so what happens is you're like, but didn't I teach you at home you don't speak to people like that? But mommy, that is what it is. That lady's going to go to hell. I said, but Joe, you can't just tell people they're going to go to hell. But that's the truth. But you taught me in the Bible. That if you lie and you become a liar and you continually lie, you're going to go to hell. She kept lying. She's going to hell. It is A plus B equals C. Things were very black and white for him. And looking back now, I understand why. There's no room for gray. Black and white. That's and um, you look back on that and you say, okay, that's, that's the, that Those was part the, of what it is. His obsessiveness mm -hmm. with certain things. That's, that's part of what it is. Um, Inflexibility. Don't change your schedule. He'd have a fit. We're going to the zoo. Nah, we're going to go to the museum. Oh my I want to go to the zoo. And you think it's a temper tantrum. It's not. His mind is set that we're going to the zoo. So we used to get his behind whip a whole lot. <laughs> because. Joe would get a whipping every day. See. <laughs> because of something. It's hard. But it's hard. And, and we didn't you, know. You just unchanged his whole schedule. <laughs> we didn't know. But, but I can tell you one thing. I think that there is a blessing that we didn't know because I do believe many behaviors can be changed. Yes, yes, yes. And if we had yes. known when he was four or five that he had Asperger's, we might have just let him get away with certain things. But I don't believe in that. Mm -hmm. I believe that, okay, you're inflexible. You don't like what we're doing, but this is what we're going to do. 
Now, next time, I'll tell you a little bit earlier. Right. I'll give you as much advance notice as I can, but I'm not going to let my life be dictated by what you can and can't handle. Wow. So, not knowing, I think, even though we probably beat some of those things out of him, <laughs> oh, I think not goodness. knowing pushed him to be better. So, that's why I think for so long he went right under, under the, the radar. Under the radar. We didn't know. So when he would throw those, have those temper tantrums to school and the whole desk and book was coming out, his behind would get torn up in the bathroom, not having it. But then I said, okay, you know what? You have frustration you need to express. Here's a book. Write it in the book. Nobody will read your book. I read his book every night. Nobody will read your book. I said, but you cannot throw the stuff down on, a, on the floor. I am not having that. You're acting like a baboon. You are not going to do that. But if you need to, if you get angry, whip out your, um, your composition book and write down all your feelings. Wow. So you have to find ways to allow them to manage what they feel. Yes. Because they don't manage what they feel the way we manage. We're starting to peel back the layers of this story. Hmm. Have you heard some tools so far to get you started? Are you connecting your own dots? I can't wait for you to hear the rest of this conversation. So I'm going to step out of the way. Let you sit on down again. Let's finish this conversation. Let's have some straight talk.